John 21, it says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon, Peter, and Thomas called Didymus, or the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said unto them, I'm going fishing. They said unto him, we're going too. They went forth and entered the ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have ye any fish or any meat? And they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast your net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw it, for there was a multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded himself with his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. It's so interesting. He put his clothes on, then jumped in. And then the other disciples came in the little ship, for they were not far from the land, but as it were, 200 bits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon as they came, they were come to the land, and they saw fires of coal there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. And Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which ye now have caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, and 150 and three, and for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Verse 12 is an amazing verse. Jesus said unto them, come and dine. And none of the disciples questioned if it was, if it was him knowing that it was the Lord. And I promise I did not, I, I, I thought about this, but I didn't intentionally do this. So don't be surprised when I say what I'm, for a few moments I want us to think about this thought. So the, the title that I wanted to share was this, this, this thought, I'm going fishing. And then the subtitle was from I quit to I'm invited. From I quit to I'm invited. Let's say it short prayer for a second. God, thank you for these moments that you have shared with us. Thank you, O oh God, for the way in which you continue to work in our lives and work through our lives. May we forever, O oh God, be grateful in our saying and in our doing. God, do now as you've done before. Consecrate us now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine, and may our souls look up with a steadfast hope and our wills be lost in thine. Draw us nearer nearer Lord. And for that we are grateful. Amen. This had to be a spontaneous fishing trip. And the text begins with an amazing phrase. It, 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 this phrase that is oftentimes overlooked, but I don't think it's one that we should not give some credence to. The phrase begins there in chapter 21 verse, verse 1. It says, after these things. 
And for those of us that are students of the scripture, the, the initial question that we should ask ourselves is after what things? After what things does this narrative happen? Well, this is the close of John's gospel. And after these things, it's after Jesus has been crucified, after Jesus has been stretched and pierced, after Jesus has literally hung from, from, from an insane hour in the morning there in the heat of the day, and crucifixion was the most cruel of Roman punishments. You literally did not die from the piercings, but you, you suffocated under the weight of your own body as you're there hanging on the cross and can't you see his mother and his friends and the disciples even there faintly in a distance staring up on this hill as the one that they knew to be their savior is dying. They literally are watching the one who they left their father, they left their mother, they left their friends, they left their way of knowing themselves. They were fishermen, literally left their boats and chased after Jesus. Chased after him, hoping that he would be the one that would restore Israel to prominence. They chased after him, saying that this shall be the kingdom of God that we have been waiting on. This will be the fulfillment of the prophecy that was given ancient days ago. This would be the moment we've been praying for. Grandmother was praying. Mother and father were praying. We sang about it as children where we were there at the the feet of those that were teaching us, those that were giving us life and light and now. Now he's dying. Blood is streaming down his face. Blood is streaming down his side. I still see faintly the place where the soldier pierced him in that moment. The body is coming down now. Now what was a strong body that carried a measure of hope in it that stood tall, shoulders back, is now feeble and broken. It's now being laid in a tomb. It's laid in a tomb after these things, after it's laid in a tomb, after now we have no clue of where the body has been taken. We don't know if it's a plot. We don't know if he's actually been resurrected. Wait, there's a knock at the door. Wait, the, the knock was not even at the door. The door didn't even make a sound. But how in the world is Jesus now standing here? Jesus is literally standing here. He speaks a word of peace to them. And even in that moment, someone's not there. One of the disciples, Thomas, heard about him reappearing. But he says, unless I see him, unless I can put my hand into the nail print in his hands, unless I can put my hand in his side, I won't believe it. Time continues to pass. Jesus shows up again. Thomas, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I need to put my, I need to show you that it is I. It is the same I. It is I that, that gave you all this opportunity at a brand new life. Jesus in John's gospel then breathes the breath of life on them, renewing their hopes, renewing their vitality. In that moment, they are remembering what their call was. They remembered the moment when Jesus called them. They remembered the moment when their heart burned and was strangely warmed. They remembered that moment when, when something in side of them said that there's something greater than what you are doing at this very moment. But even then, this may just be a dream. This may be a dream. I don't want to get my hopes up again because last time I got my hopes up in Christ, I was disappointed. The last time I pursued him for three years, I pursued what he said was going to lead us into this divine kingdom where things were going to be renewed. And you know how we are. If our heart has been broken once, it's difficult for us to put our hearts out there again. You ever been there in your life? 
You ever been there in your life when, when, when you were able to overcome one challenge, you were able to make it through one situation, and then here comes another. You ever been there where you prayed that God would deliver, you prayed that God would care, you prayed that God would show you a measure of his glory, that he would literally open up the windows of heaven, the windows of heaven open up, you're receiving a, an amazing blessing that you didn't even deserve, and then you find yourself going through trials all over again. I remember, strangely, in my own life, when my mother was diagnosed with stage four, stage four pancreatic cancer, at that very moment, my life was torn into pieces. I one remember when one of my good friends who grew up with us, he ate Thanksgiving at our table. My good friend Chris said to me, we were standing in the parking lot of a store, and he literally says, Freeman, I can't believe this doesn't, this does not happen to our family. This doesn't happen to people who, like your mother, pray. Doesn't happen to people like your mother, give the best of her service. Doesn't happened to peace I said but it does and it did I was amazed when God moved miraculously in her life and she went from stage four cancer to the doctor saying that there were no more signs of cancer in her body. I was excited about the power of God, that God's healing power was yet still available. Pancreatic cancer that should have taken her out in a matter of months. We celebrated a birthday. She's now been here for a year and a half since that diagnosis. You can't tell me what God can't do, but wait. Now my father has prostate cancer and is going through radiation treatments. And it's difficult sometimes to come back into the worship service. You understand what God can do, but you also understand the depth of grief. Here it is, the disciples, after these things, you understand now why Peter says, I'm going fishing. I just got to get out of here for a few minutes. I just need to let my brain breathe. I just need to let my spirit experience some sense of relief. I'm going fishing. I don't know. I'm going back to the thing that I know is comforting for me. I'm going back to the water. I'm going back to my boat. I'm going back to my net. I'm going back fishing. I'm just going fishing. I just want to sit down on the water. I'm going to go early in the morning before the sun even comes up, before there's even a warmth begins to stifle the air. I'm going out when there's a cool, calm, collected moment, a peaceful moment when the stars are still twinkling in the black of the sky in that moment when the water can still be reflected in that moment the water reflects still the glory of the moon and the stars can be seen there I'm gently just going to drag my net won't even make a sound but I've been here all night and I've caught nothing Interesting, not only did he go, but the disciples in that moment, they, they were, had a moment of kinship. They had a moment of fellowship where they said, if you're going, I'm going to. We're all tired. We're all overwhelmed. We're all frustrated. We're all frustrated that things have been difficult over the last few days. City Fellowship, can't you see yourself in the eyes of the disciples? We're tired. It's been difficult over the past few days. We've taken some losses. We've seen the glory of God. We've had our chances to worship him, but now God is challenging us in new ways, and I need to just go fishing for a moment. I just need to go fishing. I just need to clear my mind. And it's amazing what God does in the mundane. It's amazing what God does in the minuscule. It's amazing what God can do even in moments that don't even seem to be significant moments. In the moment when they were fishing. After they had been there all night dragging their nets. After they'd caught nothing. There on the shore looking at them was the Lord. 
isn't it good to know that even in those moments when we go fishing, in those moments when we're doing the common, when we're doing the familiar, that God still reveals God's self. That God has a way of showing up even when you don't expect it. God has a way of revealing God's self. And what I love about God is that when God reveals God's presence to us, God's presence is never absence God's power. You missed your shout cue. I said that any moment that God's presence shows up, God's power is available to you. Anytime God makes God's self available, that's why I love getting into the place of worship. That's why I love coming into a sanctuary, even if it's not my best day. I just want to get there. I just need to lift my hands. I just need to say thank you. I just need to remember how good God's been to me. And somehow God changes things. What used to be a burden then becomes a blessing. What used to be overwhelming is now lifted. God has a way uh, of literally taking your burdens and your yokes and making them easy and light. It's in the presence of God that something on the water happens. Maybe it might have been therapeutic for them to go fishing, but it was a revelatory moment. It was in that moment when they were trying to get out of here that God was yet still calling them. In that moment when they were trying to move themselves from the glamour of God's grace to to the guilt that they had for walking away from the grief that they were experiencing. Now in that moment, God's glory was being revealed. God's glory was being revealed to them in that very moment. God's presence was there. God's power was available and God's power was evidenced in the miracle that was worked. The Lord says, look, read the text. He says, literally, throw your nets on the right side. You know, one of the things that's amazing to me is that even on our best day as professionals, God has a way of making us look foolish. We have fancy theological frames that help convince us that we know the subtle nuances of the euangelion. We have these these things, these experiences where we say to ourselves that I know the ins and outs of God's glory. I know the ins and outs of everything that God has revealed from the ancient of days until now. We tell ourselves that even the things, the ancient scriptures, I know them backwards and forwards. I've studied. I've studied the Old Testament text. I know the JEPD theory. I've studied the Old Testament text and I understand that it may not have been Moses that literally wrote the five books of the Bible. I understand. Even in these moments, I'm studied. I've learned. We say these things. I've been studying these things. We've been looking through them since we were in Sunday school. Everybody knows the story of Noah. Everybody knows the story of Jonah. Everybody knows the story of David and Goliath. Everybody knows the story of Daniel and the lion's den. But even in those moments when we're professionals, God has a way of making us look foolish. Here it is, these professional fishermen who had been fishing all of their life. Literally, can't you see them responding back to Jesus? Look, we've tried that. We've been here all night and caught nothing. What I love about this text is it also echoes the text that's there in Luke 5. In Luke 5, when you see this experience, when the the disciples have been casting their nets all night and they've been exhausted, Jesus tells them the same thing. Cast your net and you'll draw in a great great gathering, a great multitude in abundance. Even in that moment in Luke 5, the Luke writer says that they too had this measure of sarcasm with the Lord. How in the world are you going to tell me? The Gospels clean it up for us. They say, well, Lord... We've tried that. 
We've been here all night and we've caught nothing. But can't you imagine the frustration in their, in their voices? Can't you imagine what it was like to have a weakened body, to be throwing and casting a net all night and to have nothing? You ever been there in your life where you've been casting and have caught nothing? You may be able to do that one time, but try doing that all night long. When you've been searching and trying and examining and turning and twisting and prodding and poking and you still have nothing the doors of the church open no one comes down the doors of the church opens no one comes down but someone goes out someone leaves someone returns someone goes back but you keep preaching you keep praying you keep fasting you keep giving the frustration of the disciples after they had been doing this all night had to be overwhelming and here comes this man named Jesus saying I need you to do it one more time the only difference now is I need you to follow my word. I need you to follow my word. Don't throw it in your own strength. Don't throw it in your own direction. I need you to follow what I tell you. I need you to throw the net on the right side. When you throw it on the right side, there'll something, there'll be something that happens that you did not expect. I love it in the Lucan narrative. In the Lucan narrative, the catch is only available in the depths of water. In the Lucan narrative, there in initially yeah, near the banks. If you read the Johannine account here in John chapter 21, it also says that they are here close to the shore. The Lord says, I need you to throw it again. I love the Lucan narrative because I need to tell something to someone here this morning. A part of the problem with why we continue to be exhausted after working all night is because we've been spending too much time doing shallow thinking in shallow water. We've been spending far too much time attempting to convince ourselves that we know the full essence of what God is trying to reveal. But here in John, the revelation of God is, I've got something new if you would just follow what I'm revealing. Here, what God is revealing is that there is an overabundance of what you've been seeking together. Remember, the Lord says, I'll make you fishers of men. The Lord was trying to tell them that there are still a multitude of people that need the word. There's still a multitude of people uh, that are in need of love. There's still a multitude of people that are in need of grace. There are still a multitude of people that need to hear your testimony. They need to hear that when you were broken, uh, God brought you back together. They need to hear your testimony. When you did not have, God gave you an abundance. They need to hear your testimony uh, that I've walked out before and God kept me uh, and God can do the same thing in your life. That's what they need to hear. They need to hear that when you worship God, God reveals God's self and God's power is then made available to you. God needs to show God's self in you so that somebody else might understand the revelation of God. The revelation of God happens and in the revelation of God, the amazing thing is, is that not only does God reveal God's self, but God has a way of reminding us of his promises in our life. Sometimes we just need a little reminder. We just need a little reminder of who God is. We just need a little reminder of what God can do. We just need a reminder that the Lord promised us that he would never leave us or forsake us. 
So even though you feel abandoned, God is still standing right there. Even though you, you may not know which way to turn, God still is the one that's guiding you and directing you. Look at the word there in chapter 21. The Lord reminds them in his telling them to cast your net on the other side. He reminds them that he has power. It's amazing how in the world did the Lord know that there was a school of fish right near where you were fishing. He didn't have a GPS. He didn't have a sonar. You know, there's some amazing things on boats these days. There's some amazing things on boats these days. You literally can scan the bottom of a boat, scan the bottom of the seafloor, and it'll show you. I don't know that Jesus had a sonar. I don't know that he had the type of radar that would allow him to stand on the shore and scan the water out in the depths. But amazingly, in his divine knowledge, the Lord reminded us that I've already seen the work that you're doing and I'm trying to bless you in a new way. Then something crazy happens. They finally realize, wait. It's the Lord. Peter then, so confused. He was already fishing in a stripped down, <laughs> stripped down sense. He puts on his clothes and then dives in. I'm amazed. He's so overwhelmed with the glory of God that instead of just diving in, he takes time to put his clothes back on and then dives in. Here's a word of warning. Don't spend too much time attempting to dress yourself before entering into the presence of God. Simply dive in. The Lord has already seen you and known you. The Lord has already revealed himself to you while you were naked. And if the Lord revealed himself to you while you were naked, then there's no expectation of you to appear before him clothed. I love the Lord because the Lord calls us where we are. The Lord reveals the Lord's self to us in our moment of need. The wonderful thing is I'm in this moment thinking to myself that it was not even a conversation about Peter's outer clothing. In that moment, it was a conversation about Peter's inner condition. The Lord knew that when he got on the boat, that he in and of himself was naked. He was frustrated. He was angry. He was disappointed. And in that moment, Peter thought to himself, well, maybe I need to better prepare myself so that I might meet the Lord. Now, there's a good thing. Sometimes you want to present the best that you have before the Lord. But in this moment, in this moment of revelation, God may have been trying to tell him, stop trying to put your ego back on. Stop trying to put your, your, your hubris back on. Stop trying to put yourself together and then present yourself. Simply show yourself naked as you are. In that moment, then you might be able to fully dive in. And when you get there, you'll realize the thing you were searching for is the thing he's already preparing. He revealed himself. He reminded them of his power. Can't you see the Lord there on the shore? He's already taken time. 
He has a fire pit going. He's already preparing fish. He's already preparing a meal. They're dragging this net in. And he's probably casually laughing. And then he says, come and dine. Isn't it good to know that even in moments when we've wanted to quit, when we wanted to throw in the towel, when we were frustrated, when we thought ourselves to be failures, that the Lord renews his invitation to us. He renews his invitation to us in the same way that he issued forth a new commandment. He says here in the breaking of this bread, in the breaking of this fish, I'm reminding you that there's a table that I've already prepared for you. A table that has grace. A table that has love. A table that has forgiveness. A table that has mercy. A table that invites you unconditionally as you are. Had you not even dove in, there was still a meal there. Had you not even gathered fish, there was still a meal there. The Lord renews his invitation. Is there anybody in here that's excited about the fact that the Lord is always renewing his invitation to us? The Lord is always inviting us. The Lord is inviting us as we are. The Lord is inviting us even though we may have been broken once in our life. The Lord is still saying, come and die. That's what I love about the communion experience. Every time we take a breaking of the bread and take of the wine there, the body and blood of the Lord, it's a reminder that God is renewing his invitation to me. He's saying that I am loved and I am loved by a God that's amazing. Is there anybody that's excited about the fact that God is renewing his invitation to you? You're invited. Just look at somebody, look around them and just tell them you're invited. You're invited. You're invited to the Lord's table. You're invited to the Lord's table. You're invited to the Lord's table. You don't have to have it all figured out. Just come sit at the table. You're invited to the Lord's table. You don't have to have all of the I's dotted and all of the T's crossed. You're invited to the Lord's table. Doesn't matter what color you are. Doesn't matter how you feel. God is inviting you to the table. It's the Lord's table. Not ours to give. Not ours to withhold. It's the Lord's table. You're invited. From I quit to I'm invited. You're invited to the Lord's table today. Come as you are. Come as you are. I promise if you can dish it out, the Lord can handle it. However you come, the Lord is capable of being present with you. Maybe that's why I love the song, Good Father. that's the kind of parent that God is. The kind that sees you, knows you, and still invites you. Still loves you. 
still cares for you. And to, the, to that God, we owe our thanks. To that God, we owe love. To that God, we ought to live a life that says we're grateful. Do me a favor, wherever you are, just close your eyes and bow your head for a moment. You may have gone fishing, and that's okay. What I want you to do at the moment, though, is to just realize that it's the Lord revealing the Lord's self to you in this moment. It's the Lord revealing the Lord's self to you. Over again. The Lord's revealing the Lord's self to you. Calling you by name. Calling you by name. Calling you by name. Just want you to throw your net back in one more time. Just throw it back in one more time. Just follow the Lord's voice. Just follow the Lord's voice. Just throw it back in one more time. There's an abundance of joy waiting on you. There's an abundance of God's grace waiting on you. to the table of the Lord. There's a feast going on. Feel God's love. Let God love on you. This is what I want you to do. I want you to see yourself. Literally want you to see yourself coming to the shore. You've been drifting long enough. I just want you to see yourself coming to the shore. I want you to see that the Lord has already prepared a meal for you. Everything that you need, the healing that you need is already prepared. The deliverance that you need is already prepared. The grace that you need is already prepared. I just want you to reach out. I just want you to reach out and say, Lord, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you, God. I'm, I can't do this by myself anymore, Lord. I'm coming to you. 
I'm bringing my children to you. I'm bringing my family to you. I'm bringing my ministry to you. God, I'm bringing my life to you, God, and I trust that you are going to do something with it. You're going to bless me unconditionally. You're going to fill every broken place in my life, God, with your love. And I'll tell you, thank you. I'll tell you, thank you, Lord. I'll tell you, I appreciate it, God. I'll tell you, God, there's no one like you, God. You're worthy, God. If you need to get closer, this altar space is just open for you. Just grab somebody's hand and say, look, I just need you to go with me. Just get a little bit closer. I just want to come. I just want to come tell the Lord, thank you. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you, oh God, for giving me a second chance. Thank you, God, for giving me joy and peace in my time of sorrow. God, I humble myself before you. I humble myself before you, God, and I thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy.
Lord says, come die. Come die. Come die. Come die. One of the things I used to love growing up in my mother's home every afternoon my parents made our entire family sit down and eat dinner together even if you weren't hungry you still came to the table even if you didn't like what was prepared you still came to the table sometimes I don't like God's love because it reminds me that if somebody could love me when I don't even love myself then I might need to make an adjustment in my life if somebody could love me when I thought I was unlovable then it must be an amazing God and I'm excited about the fact that every night, every night that I go as I kneel myself beside my bed, I hear the Lord calling me just as my parents did, saying, look, come down. That's the same invitation that's being extended to you. God's calling you all over again. Come eat. Perfect in all of your ways. Perfect in all of your ways. Perfect in all of your ways. To us. Perfect in all. The same night that he was betrayed. <laughs> What's amazing every time. The same night that he was betrayed, he took bread. <laughs> the same night that we gave up on him, he gave us another chance. The same night that he was betrayed, he took bread. He broke it. He gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body, which was broken for you and for me. Take the bread. <laughs> Likewise, after supper, he took the cup. This is my blood of the new covenant, which was poured out for you and for me. <laughs> Drink together. In our tradition, we say, ye that do truly and earnestly repent of your sins and are in love and charity with your neighbor and intend to lead a new life following in the commandments of heaven draw near with faith and take this sacrament to your comfort come die come die come die come die Come die. Come die.
come down. Come down. The Lord's on the shore. Starting you all over again. Starting you all over again. It is the blessing of God. It is the grace of God. It is the glory of God revealed to us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ gave his life for us. That he didn't just hang there for himself, but he, he saw you and he saw you and he saw you and he saw you and he saw me. And he says we're lovable. Come die. Come die. Come die. Come down, come down, come to the place where your sins were washed away, come to the place where your life was made brand new, come to the place where everyone's invited, where everyone's invited, young and old, able and unable God's inviting you come down come down come down come down come down come down, come down. 